Good morning. Um, my name is Wes Reith. Uh, my wife, Bree, and I volunteer here at Storyline. And one of the things that we do is help coordinate these, what we call, special Sundays. So this is called uh, Saints Among Us Sunday. And the actually, the initial reason why we did this is because of that incredible video clip from a movie called St. Vincent. Um, and uh, we just decided, wow, there are so many Storyliners who have similar stories like that to share of other people in their life. And so here we are. Um, we've done this virtually the last two years, and we're really excited to be back in person with you all uh, this morning to do that. And we've got uh, four storyliners who are going to share about people in their lives that are saints to them. Um, as a way of kind of some context for this, uh, I thought I'd give a little background on the word saint. Because um, if you're like me, you were introduced to this word as saint with a capital S, right? Saints are like the people who's, who, whose faces are etched in the stained glass in a cathedral or something like that's the saint, right? These kind of almost larger-than-life figures that exist uh, in the historical context of many different denominations for many different reasons. But the things that they all have in common typically are some type of virtue or something that they lived by, some, some principle uh, that made them worth imitating, right? So they're remembered and recognized for that particular vir virtue, whatever it is. Um, and I think that definition of saints with a capital S has a couple maybe problems, issues, complications with it for normal people like me and probably you too. Uh, so two things I'd like to point out about that. One is when we think about saints or that type of saint with a capital S as being uh, beholden to some kind of virtue, um, we enter into this mindset that I feel like is similar to basically the meritocracy, right? That we are all based on our abilities and our power, and the better we are at something, the more we deserve. And that's kind of a dangerous place to be because then we're just, there's always going to be someone better than us, right? So, like, you look to, up to these saints, and they're so virtuous, and, like, how could I ever be like that? Like, it's not even worth trying. Um, and the second thing that I find troublesome sometimes about this particular definition of saints is the idea that they're really, they're, they're all dead, <laughs> like they lived a long time ago, right? They're just like, there's these figures that used to exist and, and they're so far removed from our life and we have a hard time, I think, seeing ourselves in their particular context or in the times that they lived. Um, so I think what this video clip does and what I think the storyliners this morning are going to show you is that we're talking about saints with a lowercase s. And that doesn't make it any less important, but I think it changes the definition a little bit. And the first way it changes that is because these saints with a lowercase s are people maybe we look up to not because of our particular virtue that they have, but because of what they do in spite of their vices. Um, and I think that's a lot more important and a lot more of something that we could resonate with because we all shared some of those things. Um, and the second part is that these are people that we know. Uh, they're people that are living alongside us, and that requires these saints with a lowercase s to have some sort of vulnerability, right? They have to be able to be known. Like, we have to know these people in order for them to be a saint. And that might seem like a, you know, an obvious qualification, but, you know, the last two years, we found that it's sometimes it's really hard to be known or to let yourself be known. Um, and so the, this idea of vulnerability and honesty being a prerequisite to being a saint, I mean, it's something that we're all capable of, but it doesn't make it any less uh, easy. So... Thinking about saints with a lowercase s in that, in that way, I think, makes it a lot more accessible for us. And they're, they're people that we can see and, 
and, and, and recognize and basically live life with. So um, things to consider this morning as we hear from a couple other storyliners. And with all that said, uh, I'd like to welcome our first uh, storyliner up here this morning, Angie Van Antwerp. Goodness, before I came up, my watch just beeped at me and said, your heart rate's high. <laughs> Thanks, technology. Um, I'm a nurse, not a public speaker, so I just want to put that out there before we start. Um, here we go. Saints are people who invite us into their life, not just the picture-perfect, post-worthy life, but they welcome us into their chaos, joy, pain, and the beauty of real life. Just after getting married, Patrick and I moved to the armpit of America, Greenville, Ohio. It was there I met a saint, Cammie Snyder. Her and her husband, Jason, were just over 10 years older than us. They had four kids and had been married for 10 years, which seemed like forever to me. I assume they must have life all figured out. Now being married for more than 13 years and parents for 10 years, at this point in my life, I feel like we still know nothing, and they probably had felt the same way. But they did a great job faking it. Cammie and Jason mentored us through marriage, finances, buying a house, and just adulting in general. I nannied and truly grew to love their children. We lived in community, messy, honest, and authentic community. I learned that life isn't picture perfect, and we will never have it all figured out, and that is okay. I vividly remember the day Cammie told me she was pregnant with her fifth child. I had never felt so much shared joy. Months later, I got to announce to the kids that they had a baby sister named Lulu. I won't say who was excited and who cried over the fact that it was a girl when they had wanted a brother. Living in community, it is a gift to share in the joy and a hard honor to share in the pain. They invited me in when there were complications and Lulu was in the NICU. They invited me in when we sat in a small room and the genetic counselor explained the condition Lulu had and that her life on earth would be short. They invited me in when they took her home. For 62 days, Lulu was with us. It was hard and messy and moments of pure joy. I wasn't on the outside looking in, but living in the mess with them. I saw Cammie's strength in these times, times when her heart was breaking, but she was still able to have honest conversations with her older kids, her strength when they held and cherished Lulu while grieving the dreams they had for their sweet baby, her strength as she stood at the front of the church with her family, Lulu in a Moses basket, as we cried and celebrated the gift of her life. Saints bring us into the presence of God. They have been, there have been a handful of times in my life where I've been overwhelmed by the presence of God. One of those times was the first night I spent at the NICU with Cammie holding Lulu while she slept. She was so small, innocent. It felt like chaos and unknown were swirling all around us, but while holding her, there was peace and joy. In those moments, I was so overwhelmed by how much God loves us. This song felt like an overplayed cliche before, but I couldn't help but sing. He is jealous for me, loves like a hurricane. I am a tree, bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy, when all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Oh, how he loves us. Saints bring us into the presence of God, and God shows his love through them. Saints show up. They show up in the good times and celebrate, show up in the mundane, and thankfully, they show up in the hard times. 
They show up when it's uncomfortable and awkward. They show up when they don't have the words to say, only a hug to offer, or a shoulder to lean on. In 2016, we were back living in Michigan, and our oldest son had a stroke. Connor was almost four years old at the time. He was flown to DeVos for what we thought was going to be a long, hard road ahead of us. Cammie planned on coming a couple of days later. After an eight-hour brain surgery, we were informed that this wouldn't be a long road, but a rather short one with days to live. Cammie showed up that night. She cried with us and prayed for us when we were too weak. She stayed in bed with me that first unbearable night. Saints show up and walk alongside us even when it's uncomfortable. Saints have street cred. They don't usually have the perfect house and white picket fence. Instead, they have lived life, taken risks, and have been through some hard stuff. With street cred, they have earned the right to be heard. If someone had told me that God wouldn't give me more than I can handle, it would have seemed cliche and flippant. But when Cammie says that life is hard, really hard, but God is still holding you through it, that I can take to heart because she lived it. There was another saint that showed up when we were at the hospital with Connor, who also has street cred. I'm pretty sure he was a total stranger at the time. I honestly have no idea who invited him, but he and his wife stood with us around our child's deathbed. That's a pretty hard and intimate place to be. Um, Mike and Lisa held us and prayed for us. Mike shared with us, God gives us the grace we need to make it through today. Tomorrow is a different day and will bring a different set of circumstances. Trying to live tomorrow or next week while also living today is a burden that is too heavy for us to bear. We must choose to live today with the grace given to us by God. It's something both Patrick and I hold on to. Think about this is what it means. God only gives us the grace we need for today. I wouldn't have thought twice about that if I had seen it on a card. But coming from a stranger who had street cred in this department meant something. The next couple of days, we went through things I pray no parent ever has to do. But we did it, one day at a time. Life was overwhelming the next couple of years, but we both held on to the one day at a time mentality. Saints have street cred. They have lived adventurous lives, diving into the beauty and the pain and earning the right to be heard. Saints are generous. After Lulu went to heaven, I gave Cammie this book, Holding On to Hope. I know some of you just did a Bible study on it. The book, the child in this book, has the same rare genetic condition that Lulu had, and it chronicles through the author's grief. The author, Nancy Guthrie, and her husband put on weekend retreats for grieving parents. Cammie and Jason went to it. After our son, Connor, went to heaven, Cammie gave me the book back, and she sent Patrick and I on the same retreat. I pulled out the book when I knew I was giving this talk, and I found a card still in it from her. It says, It is still surreal to be sending you this very book that I vividly remember you so lovingly giving to me. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think of you. We wanted to help you just a little with your retreat and to remind you, you are never alone. Love you, Cammie. She's just always been there for me, and it's sweet to see it. Saints are generous to the point that they humble you. I had a group of middle school girls I did Bible study with 
and then went on to become their young life leader in high school. They were college students when Connor went to heaven. They were poor, like college student poor, but they still donated to his GoFundMe account. I was so humbled by their generosity. They gave much, like the woman at the temple. They gave and it hurt and it meant something. It's something that I still think about. Saints take chances and risks. They step out in faith when they feel a call or a need. At Connor's celebration of life service, Cammie felt the nudge to embark on a dream she had in her heart since Lulu went to heaven. She wanted to create a safe space for those in her community that were grieving the loss of a loved one. Cammie and Jason bought an old farmhouse and demoed it Chip and Joanna style and created the house that Lulu built. Cammie stepped out in faith and on a crazy dream and made it a reality. It was a lot of hard work, raising money. It was hard work physically, mentally, and emotionally. But now, the house that Lulu built is a nonprofit organization that is making a difference in the lives of her community, providing comfort and counsel. It's a grief care home that offers a place for families to stay together during funeral, funeral services or have meals together. A home that offers grief care classes and a place for those on their grief journey to connect with others. Cammie's gift of hospitality makes everyone who enters feel deeply loved and cared for. Saints take risks and use their gifts and passions to make this world a more beautiful place. Sorry, I keep getting dry mouth. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm almost done. Saints walk beside us. My life and Cammie's have always been intertwined. It's crazy to see how God has used Cammie in my life to prepare me for things I would eventually go through and to be with me when I needed it. Our lives haven't been easy, but in some of the hardest places, we have seen beautiful things come forth. We can still see beauty in the pain and joy in the suffering. We have seen with our own eyes God at work. Cammie's friendship has often been the presence of God working in my life. It's like a love story. Looking back, I can see that God has always been there for me, providing for and caring for me when I didn't even realize it, and loving me extravagantly. Saints invite us in, they show up, take chances, live generously, use their gifts, they take in the beauty and the pain of life, and deep down know that no matter what, God is for them. I've had a few different saints in my life. I know God has put them there for a purpose, even though they nor I knew it at the time. Within a year, I had a miscarriage, my oldest son went to heaven, my family had genetic studies and MRIs done searching for answers about Connor's stroke, I had a complicated pregnancy, spent five weeks in the NICU, and was then diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. I know I wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for the incredible saints God has placed in my life, whose stories are so intertwined by God's divine intervention. Gratitude and love for my father are the deepest things I will ever have. I praise God that even through it all, I can say it is well with my soul in a deep way, not just something written on a card. Hello, I'm Ellen Moore, and I've just now decided to replace my polite definition 
of a saint was something a lot more honest. I figure things out by hearing myself say them out loud. So in working on this, I realized um, a couple things. Number one, I'm the true definition of an extrovert. So I figure it out as I hear myself say it, which is super annoying if you're my friend, because you'll ask me a question and I'll go with my answer and I'll circle around and an hour later I'll give you an answer. So um, here's the thing that I just discovered, listening to your story, listening to what Wes defined as a saint, it's really simple. I already love you. I already do. How can that be? You don't even know me, right? Well, I think the best way is just to tell you some things that I've experienced and we'll sort it out together. So when I first moved to St. Joe, it really struck me how friendly and kind people are here. People would say hello to me when I walked around downtown. I'm like, I don't know anybody, but hello. And then people might ask about what I'm interested in and I would always say music. And if you listened very long, I would really say, I'm a little bit of a freak and that my first thing I do every day is I pick the song of the day just for me and then I write about it online. So that's my morning with coffee. Um, and I did not grow up in the church as a kid. So there aren't church hymns. I love church hymns and I love contemporary Christian, but those are generally not the songs I pick. I'm picking the songs that probably we all grew up with or that we like today. And the ones I love best are the ones that have a double meaning. Like, it might sound like a love song between a, in a couple, but it's also like our relationship with God. And so somehow as a kid, even though I didn't grow up in the church, I just knew there was this God that loved me very much, even though nobody told me that. So when I was an adult and I'm free to go to church, I did that. But it was all kind of in my head. I think I was honestly going because I thought that's what a good adult does. And then when I hit about 40, it started to land in my heart. And that was a big difference. Um, and music was a big part. So um, when people got to know me and they're saying, like, what do you like to do? And I tell them about my picking the song of the day and writing. I can't tell you how many times, and I knew no one here, <clears throat> people would say, do you get that from Storyline? Do you go to Storyline? And I'd always go, what Storyline? So um, that went on for about five years, and I actually belonged to a different church, and then literally one morning last spring, I did my pick song of the day, wrote about it online, and I literally heard, even though it was just me and the dog, and I don't hear things, I heard, oh, did you get that from Storyline? And I'm like, that's it. I'm going to Storyline right now. So I looked it up, and I drove over to Lincoln Park. And um, as I drove up, I got to um, this sign. And I thought, I don't know what you think. I, I think on a Sunday, an office marked 15-minute parking might be OK. So I parked there until this guy shows up and says to me, <laughs> with a look just like that, he was not smiling, did you know the best parking spot for you might not be the best parking spot for you? And I wasn't sure what he meant by that. He was not smiling. 
And then later I heard Mike in his message say, maybe the best church for you isn't the best church for you. And I'm like, oh, there's a sense of humor here. Maybe. I think he was messing with me. And then I thought, maybe I could be my real self here. Maybe I could take your parking spot, and you're going to maybe love me anyway. We'll find out. Um, so the joke was just kind of then beginning somewhat on me and certainly somewhat on Dave. Uh, so one light last summer, another saint of a friend here, John Anderson, had invited me to go listen to some music outside at Three Oaks. And so we're standing out this beautiful summer night, and we run into Dave Reith. And when one of the songs ended, I just said to them, I'm like, that song sounded a little bit like my all-time favorite band, the Jayhawks. And Dave's whole face just changed. It was like I went from being this crazy person that almost knocked his door off of his car to maybe okay, maybe she's all right, because he also knew the Jayhawks even better than I do. So... Um, Next, this thunderstorm comes up out of nowhere. And so we're standing under this tent going like, uh-oh, I don't think we're going to hear any more music. What should we do? So Dave opens up his house to us, and it was there where we started just playing this spontaneous fun game of like, you think of a song, we would play it, not play it, play it, play it musically through a phone and a speaker so it sounded nice. And um, whichever one of us heard enough and thought of another one could name the next one and, and so on and so on. And poor John heard more Jayhawks that night than he ever really wanted to. So the next morning I'm getting up and I'm just thinking, dang, that was so much fun. And I posted the song of the day as the Jayhawks settled down like rain song. I think you can hear it playing. But this line out of that song is what really hit me. It said, your words hung high in the rafters and settled down like rain. Remain happy ever after. And so what neither Dave nor John knew that night before is that would have been my only brother's birthday. And so that's typically not a very happy night for me because he's not alive anymore. But I hadn't said anything to them. And the irony of having these two good men around who made me laugh help me sing, help me think of favorite songs and just feel happy like my brother would have if he were still alive. I thought, could that be saint-like? Yes, because although it is tragic to lose a loved one, it's more the happiness that we remember after a while. And I used to torture my older brother mercilessly, you know, like that annoying thing little sisters do where you go, you love me, you love me, and run as if my life depended on it, because it probably did. So it's different now. We're all grown up, right? But I just got to go, not only do I love you guys, but you love me <laughs> too, even if you don't know it yet. So um, the next interesting, amazing thing that happened was the day Storyline did their baptism day at a private home. The night before, I had been out to dinner with someone, and he said, hey, did you know there's an island here, like not far from where we were having dinner? And I'm like, an island? No. He goes, yeah, I found it when I was kayaking. There's like gorgeous homes on it, and we should go see it. I'm like, okay, sometime. So the next day, I'm pulling up to this home with all my food to drop off, 
and not sure where to park. And so I stopped this friendly-faced woman walking, and I said, ask her where to park. And she told me, and um, it turned out to be Karen Mitchell. And she was exactly the person out of everybody arriving right then that I was supposed to ask for, according to Jen, because she and I were going to help with the food. So um, it was ironic. We, Karen and I are helping with the food. I discover that she actually lives on this island that I just found out existed the night before. Number two, she's the first person I run into, and I ask for help with directions. Three, as we're standing there among all this delicious food, with one simple thing she said to me that I'll never forget, she inspired me to change my eating habits. And then most of all, um, what she lives, which is total trust of God and in freedom, that inspires me. And I just want to thank her for being a saint of a friend to me now. The next odd thing that started to happen also last summer is everywhere I would go, this very distinctive looking car with a license plate that says mediate kept showing up. If I were stopped at a light, it would turn in front of me. If I took my dog for a walk at the park, the car would already be parked there. Nobody in it. Like, Honestly, it happened like 10 times. And I'm like, who is this? And why do I keep seeing this car? And so one day I'm walking up to Storyline on a Sunday morning and the car pulls in right in front of where I'm walking. I'm like, aha, I feel like I caught the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I see this pretty petite lady get out with her dog and, and like a crazy person. I go up to her and I go, hey, I'm Ellen and I just have to tell you, I keep seeing your car everywhere. Who are you? <laughs> and tell me about your license plate. And so um, it turned out to be my new friend, Deb Burris, and she invited me to sit down with her. And uh, what I already knew, and she didn't know, is that Deb Burris is a little bit of a legend in the work that I do. Um, I do some work with families and children in mediation, and it was actually Deb's inspiration that absolutely changed how this community handles things for kids whose parents are divorcing or maybe they um, were never married but they have this child and they're trying to figure things out. So her influence and her inspiration has literally helped thousands of children. It affects the work of many every day. And so I would say <clears throat> it's more than just a clever license plate, Deb. You're a trendsetter and a saint and a peacemaker for this community. So the place where my office is, is a place like most people never ever want to have to go. Um, I feel weirdly blessed walking in and out of there and doing the work that I do. And there's a very friendly faced guy who's often walking in and out at the same time I am. Never once has this guy given me the stink eye for taking his parking space. <laughs> Um, he's just a funny, humble saint who does an even harder job than I do. And um, the interesting thing was, not that long ago, I found out he and his wife are also storyliners. So I'm like, how amazing is that, that people are all around us and we're connected in ways that we didn't even realize. 
So, um, Mark Sanford, if you're watching this, I just want to say if that whole courthouse thing doesn't work out for you, you really should go on the road. It's like a Steve Winwood look-alike. Does he not? <laughs> and if he sings, we're even better. Okay, and my next um, interesting thing that happened, the first time that Jen asked me to be a greeter, I'm standing outside here, and this super friendly-faced guy comes walking right up, and he goes, hi, I'm Derek. So he's like greeting the greeter. <laughs> and I said, Derek, is that like Derek and the Dominoes, being the music freak I am? And he goes, yeah, it is just like that. And we've been friends ever since. So he not only just stepped in and helped me greet that day, and I just made it so much fun, we've actually had two perfectly weird things happen, have we not, that neither one of us did. We um, go to, over to Watermark, and you're all welcome, after Storyline anytime. People just gather and talk. Twice, we've been talking about something, and then something happens that you just want to go, that wasn't me, that wasn't you. <laughs> And it's weirdly good, like even more than this picture. <laughs> so come join us for what Derek named the rest of the story. So um, the next photo you're going to see is one of the impressions I had when I first came to Storyline. And what it made me think was crystal clear. Like, I just literally couldn't miss that if Jesus were walking around today... It would look exactly like that. People of all kinds, kids, dogs, sunshine, just listening and drawn to some humble man talking in a t-shirt because what he's saying is the truth. And it's a story of love and grace that we all want to hear. So I just want to really say a thank you to Mike for being the Jesus with skin on that we all need. Thank you. So um, my last photo is um, a name that got mentioned on my first day at Storyline. Mike was talking about um, how blessed a mother feels, even in the middle of the night, to wake up and take care of whatever her baby needs. We're just like, we're so tickled that we can be a mom, that we are a mom. And he called this beautiful baby Archie. And I thought, I only know one Archie. And then... When he described how beautiful Archie's mother is and how brilliant his father is, I'm like, oh, I know these people. <laughs> he has to be talking about Erica and Blair right before he said their names out loud. And I'm like, right, there's another interesting thing. These two saints, before they were even a couple, had both helped me in their own ways tremendously. Um, when I wound up in the hospital, since I lived here, with some crazy virus before there was such a thing as COVID. Um, but they both know what they did. And I always feel like the love that they found with each other and now the beautiful life and lives that they are creating is just like one of those little miracles where God goes, hey, here you go. Thank you. So deserved. So um, to wrap it up, I just want to say, like, if you picture little Archie, he has no idea what love he brings into this world. He's just an innocent little boy. And truly, the same applies to all of you. I came here thinking, I know no one. And what I learned is there's a whole community of saints, some here at Storyline, some in our work, 
some wherever we're walking or going throughout our lives in all these places. So this part is true. You are already loved, and we will know each other by our love for one another. Thank you. Wow, thank you so much, Angie and Ellen. What a gift of the saints we have around us. Hi, everyone. Good morning. I'm Gabrielle, and I'm so glad to be with you this morning because I have the absolute privilege and honor of introducing you to one of my favorite people in the entire world. Running a thrift store the last few years has taught me a lot about the stories that our items hold, often given after a move, a death, or a loss, things that wouldn't mean much to one person may mean the world to others. I cannot count the many times we've had U-Haul drivers pull up with tears in their eyes with the hope that someone might find an item significant because someone significant to them once did too. Hindsight is like that, always showing us the value or the meaning of something after we've left it behind. A record player a couple summers ago showed up at our thrift store. It was a bit older and dusty, and the speakers were at times a bit too loud. So we put it in the back of the store, and no one saw it. But my friend Mabel, an ever-faithful Mosaic employee, took notice. You see, the record player had been built right here in Benton Harbor right around the time Mabel was old enough to get her first job, or, well, she was about 12, and she snuck her way in with a fake ID at the old VM factory right off of Territorial as a preteen. And so her hustle, a trait that if you know Mabel, know defines her very well, began. It seems that whenever I bring up a place I'm going to be traveling to or an industry that's piqued my interest, Mabel has either lived there or worked there. From working in the produce fields of Southwest Michigan to traveling all the way to Florida State College to being a bouncer at a nightclub, which if you also know Mabel, know that that is a role that she thrived at, she's done a bit of it all. And every time life has handed her less than ideal circumstances, she's redefined and rediscovered her inner drive, one that led, is led, no doubt, by the love that she has for her four children and her simple faith. Her life has led her all over this country and back again to Benton Harbor several times, first coming home to take care of her dying mother and father. That's Mabel, though. She's always fiercely loyal and protective of her family and those that are in her care. So much so, she'd move across the country just to ensure that you know you are going to be okay. I wish you all could watch the way that she loves her grandson, Lonnie. I've never seen a face shine as bright as when she talks about him and her pride of who he will grow up to be. Much more than a doting grandparent, though, Mabel sacrifices much of her time, her money, her energy, and her life for her grandson, caring for him and helping form him into the young man that he's going to be. And so it is when you live a life in a world that hasn't provided you the privilege or luxury of the emotional capacity or 
the convenient distance. Mabel is in it, up close, always living in the mess of this life and all that it has to offer. When there was no hospice, there was Mabel. When there was no counselor, there was Mabel. When there were no workers, there was Mabel. When there was no daycare, there was Mabel. When there was no rent money, there was Mabel. When there was no food, there's always Mabel's mac and cheese. She has faced barriers many of us would never dream of overcoming. Growing through the pains of a country that hopes to be so much, yet fails so often. Often those who look like and come from places like Mabel, not seen and not cared for in the ways that they desire. She stayed hopeful and resolute, which I think is a profound thing to do, to live this whole life and not end up a cyclical mess. Mabel's optimism and ability to always remain open Learning and growing has forever shaped my own lens of life. If Mabel has overcome, then certainly I can too. Working the night shift one night in her 30s, she was walking home and she was jumped by several men. They beat her to the bone. No longer able to see or move, she laid in the snow for dead. But without notice, Mabel recollects a bright light that shone around her all at once in the image of someone picking her up and carrying her to her sister's porch a few blocks away. She would have died that night, but she didn't. A miracle, a survivor. And while I believe Mabel is one of the most selfless individuals I know who have overcome a thousand stories like the one that I just told you. I should warn you, this does not apply when Mabel is on her scooter driving down the back roads of Benton Harbor. I swear one time I looked out my window and I saw Mabel, Mabel driving her scooter down the road going 50 miles per hour. I don't even know that scooters could go that fast. Nevertheless, Mabel's image is forever ingrained in my mind with her braids in the wind driving as fast as she could. Mabel keeps it real. She's honest. She's frank and really subverts every stereotype of what it means to be a meek woman. Nah, not Mabel. She fully embodies her emotions and makes sure everyone knows what needs to take place. You know, she's a leader, and she's a great one at that. It's this rawness that seems to set others at ease around her, including myself. I found no need to pretend or protect around Mabel. And that might just be the kindest gift that she's given me and to those who know her, the gift of being ourselves. Mabel is a force to be reckoned with. Much like a strong oak, she is consistent and she is present every day to the people around her. And for the past two years, I've been able to witness the hundreds of lives that come into our store every day and ask for Mabel by name. And I can't help but wonder what Benton Harbor, in Southwest Michigan, 
and Florida and New York and Illinois and Kentucky would have looked like if Mabel wouldn't have been there. What Mosaic would have looked like without Mabel there, who really holds a tenure of consistency longer than anyone else in leadership. What doors have been opened because Mabel's hustle and strength pried them open first. What hearts have been healed because of Mabel's love and consistency. What family lines have forever been shifted because Mabel is the one who keeps showing up. I know that my life has changed. I am stronger, braver, and more whole of a woman for being led by the story of this woman. And I can't help but think that I might have missed it, the chance to meet her, much like the record player donated to our store a few summers back. It's a little loud, a little older, and maybe even a bit dusty. But hidden from the eye, it was the truest of treasures, and it was right in front of us. And I don't want anyone to miss Mabel and who she is to Mosaic, who she is to this community, who she is to her family, and most importantly, who she is to me. I love you, Mabel. Thanks for being here this morning. So stand-up comedians only get five minutes, and they want seven and nine out of me. So sorry about what you guys are about to experience. Um, so I'm Derek Hines. I've been coming to Storyline for eight-plus years. I'm around. I greet. I set up. I'm here and there. So if you haven't talked to me or know me, then it's probably your fault. Um, and I understand that. Um, this is not my first time on stage at Storyline either. So I better take this time to make the following announcement. Um, myself, my likeness, nothing that I say uh, is a reflection of Storyline or anything that they stand for. This is just me on a week that none of the leadership is here. So I'm up here. Normally, I look something like this on stage, um, a little bit of liquid courage, but uh, not this morning. They do make water here at Watermark, by the way, so if you want waters, they do offer waters in a can as well, but I don't have one. Um, so when I was asked to speak about the saints among us, first, the couple days prior, I actually saw the movie they showed the clip of, and that's a really good movie. Um, it brought tears to my eyes even this morning again. Um, good movie if you, if you want to check it out. But trying to think of a saint, I didn't really know who I would reference. I live a pretty good life. I'm lucky. I'm blessed. I have my family and friends and haven't gone through any real tragedies or anything like that to, to reference. So I was really struggling, and I was going to actually... Um, you know, pass on this opportunity, but I'm glad that I did it. Um, so I said, who do, who, do I, who do I point to? Who do I pick, you know? Is it my beautiful girlfriend for putting up with my shenanigans nonstop almost? Um, or my mother for basically the same reason? Um, or my sister for exposing me to storyline, but I can't throw her that much of a bone. So... Um, so here I am, 
those are all very cliche, you know, and you guys don't want to hear those stories. So I'm going to bring something completely different today. Shocker, right? Okay. <clears throat> the year is 1990. I'm at... Lakeshore Middle School, and it was back in the time when we had school dances, and most of the time the boys were standing on the wall like this, and the girls were on the other side of the gym, whatnot, standing on the walls. No cell phones to distract us or anything like that. Um, but uh, The Locomotion came on, song from the late 80s, 90s. You guys remember that? And then it began this conga line. So everyone's doing kind of what the screen's showing. You're standing there, you hold someone's waist or shoulders, and you walk around. And we're meandering around the Lakeshore cafeteria. And I bend down like I'm tying my shoe. Like I'm tying my shoe. And I roll this little vial of a stink bomb, um, which is something that (laughs) they've since discontinued these. You can't even buy these, I don't think. But... You could buy them very cheaply if you rode your bike to the hobby store um, on Red Arrow. Anyway, so I bend down, gently roll this vial into the cafeteria floor, and I go back to my conga line. And about 30 seconds later, somebody had stepped on that glass vial, and it broke it. And if you guys don't know what happened next, I cleared the gym. It was the stinkiest, nastiest, longest-lasting, smelliest stink bomb I'd ever witnessed in all those years and ever since. It was awesome. I cleared the, I <laughs> cleared the whole dance. You know, everyone's out, outside running around the halls. And I just thought like I had done the best. It's like I won the, you know, gold medal. It was great for a prankster. Well, we got back into the dance after like 20 minutes. And as I'm walking around feeling really uh, good about myself, a chaperone who I knew says to me, hey, Derek, I saw what you did out there. And I said, pretty good, huh? And, and I don't really remember what else he said to me or what I really said, but it didn't go any further than that. So on that evening, uh, on that Friday night, he was a saint in my life. John Soul was a saint to me. Had he told on me, had he went to the the teachers or the principals or whoever, you know, I could have gotten in real trouble. Um, you know, I could have been on my leading to the life of juvenile hall or something like that. Or even worse, I could have got transferred to St. Joe. <laughs> so. so one of the points that we've all heard this morning is saints are all around us. You know, everywhere you look, if you're lucky enough, you can find somebody who's willing to give you a smile or make you feel good or laugh, whatever the case may be. And again, I I have to fill some time here, so I had to think of another story. This is a shorter one. Uh, Nobody was injured in this one, but... So there's another person I was thinking about, and he's a storyliner. You know, he delivered uh, mail for the U.S. Post Office for 30 years, and I've known him for six or eight years, And I never knew him as a postal carrier, but I can only imagine how many people's lives he changed for years, every day working the same route and smiling at these people, making them feel good. And he doesn't even know I'm saying this stuff about him right now. So it's Frank Olson. I know he's here. So wherever he is, give him a hand. Because I 
Thanks, Frank. Um, the next example that I'm going to share with you guys, uh, it's really close to my heart. It's a group of people who have really stepped up over the last several months, really come together, really to make this happen. You know, I'm not talking about Gathright or Paul or Mike Cook in the band, the Watermark Boys. They're all great, but they get a paycheck. I'm talking about the setup and teardown crew. It's the people that come here early in the mornings, stay later. Uh, you know, we've been doing it here for almost six months. It's been very smooth, very great. Awesome opportunity to meet new people. Um, you know, we we asked for people to volunteer to help all this happen, and, and people came out of the woodwork. It was really great. And so this is storyline, you know, the, the, the camaraderie, the teamwork. So here's a little bit of a video of a high-speed video from last Sunday morning as we set up. And it was a little easier of a setup because a portion of it was already done. But when we walk in here on Sundays, we don't know sometimes what we're going to be walking into. Uh, you know, sometimes there's chairs, sometimes there's no chairs. Uh, you know, sometimes there's snow to shovel. Um, so it's been really interesting in coordinating, and you even had to take the stage down once. That was real fun. Um, but, but it's been really great to, to you get the camaraderie in the mornings and, and meet some new folks and get them out here and, and involved. So I've really, really enjoyed that. And if we can get anybody who has helped or been part of that to please stand up and get some recognition. Um, again, it's, it doesn't happen all the time. Nobody's standing. Oh, there's Karen and Mark. All right. There he is, John. Okay. So, uh, again, literally, this is the community. This, this is what I get out of Storyline is not only the great speeches and what Mike and Paul bring to the table, but the community that's here. And it's always been been important to me, and it's been something that I've gotten to really wrap my arms around the last several years, and it's been great. Um, but again, you know, there's saints all around us. Take a look. Be open-minded to them where you might find them. And even better, try to be one. Make somebody's day. Smile. Say hi. Something. That's it. Thank you. Thanks, so. all. Um, if there's one thing that I think we can pull from those four people all together, it's that these saints are all integrated already into our community and are, and are part of us. So what a beautiful thing to recognize as we transition to a new location, uh, but to, to, to feel that we've got these saints within our community uh, that are already here. So with that said, we'll see everyone here next week, um, and go in peace, friends. We'll see you.